Today we are going to go back to continue on uh, on our study of the angels. And before we do that, let's pray, right? Because we want to be guided by the Holy Spirit. So as far as possible, join me as I bow down here for prayer. We thank you once again, Father, for this opportunity. And we thank you that you make it possible for us to have freedom to worship you and to open up scripture. May we, Lord, uh, appreciate this. And may we dwell on the words of your uh, scripture that we may learn something here today. And we may leave this place encouraged as we continue to learn more about you and about your love and your unending love for us. Your amazing grace that has surrounded us with so much, so many opportunities and, and so much to draw us back to you. We thank you for all of that. And at this moment, when we open up scripture, I ask, Lord, that you may guide me. You may anoint my lips. Hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. And may we have our hearts open to the message this morning. May everything be done for the glory of your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the angels in general. And next week, more specifically, Brother Scott Hardy spoke about the ministry of the angels. And uh, I am absolutely convinced that each and every one of you, at some point in your life, at least once, if, if you can recall, maybe at least once, but certainly many times, you've had the experience of being protected by an angel. In some some un, inexplicable way, the Lord has delivered you. And uh, uh, you can be sure that your angel was taking care of you there. Now, uh, some people ask, is the idea of a guardian angel biblical? Yes or no? Uh, yes, thank you, Marv. So that makes for a very short sermon. We can end right here. <laughs> and we've got the message. But that's true. Uh, it is true that the, the idea is biblical. But we, we're going to see that in more detail. Before we do that, let me say this. Let me just review quickly what we talked about uh, in the first time we spoke about this two weeks ago. Uh, the meaning of the word angel, if you remember correctly, the meaning of the word is messenger, right? So an angel is a messenger. It's someone who, who works on behalf of someone else. And the word uh, angel and other words related to that, like messenger, sons of God, holy ones, uh, ministering spirits, cherubim, seraphim, uh, messenger, sons of God, archangel. These words, morning stars, these words appear uh, roughly 300 times, just about 300 times in the Bible. Uh, the meaning is messenger. We also learned that angels are created beings. They don't have life on their own. Their life comes from God. And their power and ability also comes from God. And we studied that as well. Now the angels, they were created before the creation of this earth. Because they were singing as God created this, this planet here. Their nature is superior to human nature. They are not in the same uh, level of nature as we are. They are superior to us. The Bible shows us that. And as far as their number is concerned, we don't know exactly how many angels are. But the Bible says that there are ten, thousands of thousands and ten thousands of ten thousands. And also the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 22, that their number is innumerable. So there is a great number of them. We don't know exactly how many. The Bible describes several angelic beings, several heavenly beings. And we saw this as well. 
the Bible mentions the archangels. Uh, actually, the Bible mentions the archangel. There is the archangel. There is one. And only in two passages, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, talking about the coming of Jesus, the Bible says that the voice of the archangel will be heard. And in Jude 9, the Bible also talks about the archangel. And right there, the Bible even names who the archangel is. What's the name of the archangel? Michael is the archangel. Now, Michael is mentioned five times in the Bible. Michael is mentioned as the great prince of the, the, the angelic host and the great prince of God's people. That's Michael. And uh, some people ask, who is Michael? That's our topic next week. Who is Michael? But I should say this. In the book of Daniel, where you see there, uh, there are three passages, three texts in the book of Daniel where the name Michael appears. And in another passage in the book of Daniel, in chapter 9 and verse 25, the Bible uses the word prince for someone else. Can anyone remember? Daniel 9.25? Who is that? The, well, no, the Bible connects the word prince to the Messiah, to the anointed one. And so that's just a, a hint I'm giving you here. But next week we'll talk more about Michael. The Bible also mentions the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord, I mean, is a good angel that comes from the part of the Lord. But in some texts, uh, maybe not all of them, I mean, some texts, you have the clear impression that the angel of the Lord is actually the Lord himself. The Lord himself who gets into the picture there. And you can see that clearly in Genesis 16, Genesis 21, for example, when the angel of the Lord was talking to Hagar, Hagar was fleeing from the house of Abraham. He was actually pushed away. And the angel of the Lord comes and talks to her. And at the end of the account, of the biblical account, the Bible says, And the Lord spoke to Hagar. So you have the clear impression that, at least in that instance, and in others similar, the angel of the Lord is actually the Lord. The Bible also mentions the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 and 6. And the name seraph in the Hebrew means bright, burning, dazzling, fiery. And they are depicted as hovering above God's throne. And it had six wings. With two they did what? They covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two wings they would fly. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also mentions the cherubim. The cherubim, uh, the meaning of the word is the guardian, the gatekeeper, the one who prays. And the cherubim were represented there, is, are depicted in the building of the temple, in the most holy place. They were the covering cherubs, were on top of the lid of the Ark of the Testimony, which is called also the mercy seat. And there are several mentions of the cherubim in the Bible, and particularly in the book of Ezekiel. There is much description of them. There, is another, there, are, there are other heavenly beings, which are the uh, four living creatures. Those four living creatures, they share some characteristics with the cherubim and with the seraphim. So we'll just call them four living creatures. They're described in the book of Ezekiel. They're described in the book of Revelation. And they are, but they are heavenly beings. The Bible also mentions the watcher angels. The Bible also mentions the interpreter angels. 
And the Bible also mentions uh, a group of heavenly beings which are the 24 elders of Revelation. But the 24 elders, uh, we can study that another time, that very likely they are not angelic beings. They are very likely uh, human beings or other type of beings. So that's what the Bible talks about the angels. Now, one thing we also talked about, what the angels are not. The angels are not immortal because they are creatures. They are God's creatures. They were created. Their life depends on God, God giving them life. So they are not immortal. The angels, as, as much as they are superior to us, and as much as they are powerful, they are not omnipotent. They don't have all the power. Only God has all the power. They are creatures, so their power also flows from God. And one thing we also said is that the angels are not the spirit of the dead. Right? The angels are creatures of God. They have nothing to do with the dead. Now, what about their ministry? We saw this briefly as well. They, they were created and they, they were commissioned to minister for those who will inherit salvation, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. We also saw that the angels may take human form. Didn't we say that? You just go to Genesis chapter 18 and 19, and you see Abraham sitting outside his tent, and he see three men coming to him. That's what the Bible say, says, three men. And one of those was the Lord himself, and the other two were two angels. But they come and they sit and they come into uh, Abraham's tent. They have a meal with them. And so they took human form even though they were angels. And the angels interact with God's people in God's behalf. The angels are described in the Bible as having wings. The angels are described as having eyes. The angels are described as being swift and ready to help. Therefore... In certain passages in the Bible, like in 2 Chronicles 16.9, we see that the Lord is described, the Lord is described as having uh, eyes. And the eyes of the Lord go throughout, go around all the earth. The eyes of the Lord go around all the earth. Now, that's a way of the Bible telling us that the Lord is sending His angels, who are full of eyes, to see, to see us through, and to look after us. The Bible also says, for example, in Ruth chapter two, uh, 12, that the Lord has wings and that Ruth was brought into the land of Boaz under the wings of the Lord. Now, does the Lord have wings? I don't know. Maybe he does. But I also seen that a way of saying that the angel of the Lord is going and covering us under his wings and protecting us because we are many just around the earth. And something that we also saw is that even though the angels work in our behalf, they work for our salvation, they must not be worshipped. And I even gave the example of a, of a play or of a movie. You have those who are on stage, those who are seen by the public, but there is a host of people working behind the scenes. And those people don't necessarily take the credit. And that's the mission of the angels. They, they are not willing to take credit. They're not willing to make a name for themselves. We don't even know their names. The Bible mentions uh, Gabriel by name. The Bible mentions Michael. Uh, that's one of the names of the archangel. But other than that, there are no other names. Some people would say, well, Lucifer is also mentioned by name. 
And uh, there is controversy about that as far as Lucifer may just be a term that uh, uh, means that he was bright, but not necessarily his proper name. But anyway, those are the names we know. And so they're not willing to take credit. They come and serve you as the Lord asked them to do. And they do that gladly. And no conversation about the angels can escape the topic of the great controversy. We also talk about that. Because it was in the mind of one angel, a highly exalted angel. An angel who walked in the midst of fiery stones just next, as close as you could be to the throne of God. That angel started to corrupt himself, started to be jealous of the position that Jesus occupied. And the Bible says that everything was beautiful and perfect until one day iniquity was found in his heart. And so he became Satan and he was able to convince a third of the angels in heaven. And so therefore, as a result of that, we have good angels who remain faithful to God. And those are the ones who minister uh, for our behalf, for our salvation. And you have evil angels as well. You have God's angels and you have Satan's angels. But what about the guardian angels? Well, I should say this. You can read your Bible through from cover to cover. You will not find the, the exact expression guardian angel. That expression is not found in, the Bible, found in the Bible. But the angels are the agency by which God protects his people. I'm actually borrowing this, this sentence from Ellen White. She says, the angels are God's agency, is, are the agency by which God protects his people. And the Bible shows us that. Even the enemy is aware that God uses the angels as an agency to protect his people. If you look at Job chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. I don't want anyone to fall asleep here. So if anyone can find Job chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Please read that out loud for all of us. Even Satan is aware that God uses. God commissions the angels to protect us. So even Satan is aware that the Lord sends his angels to make a hedge of protection around us. And the Bible is clear about that. So protecting God's children in one of the duties that has been entrusted to God's angels. And we find that in Psalm 34 verse 7 as well. The Bible says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So protecting God's people is clearly one of God's, uh, one of the duties that God commissions to his angels. Now, there is some biblical indication that God appoints a guardian angel to each one of us. There is biblical indication of that. Each follower of Christ is appointed a guardian angel. And we find some indication in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. If someone could read that. Matthew 18, 10. Thank you. So earlier in the chapter, in the beginning of chapter 18, Jesus had called some children to be in the midst 
of the conversation there. And Jesus is saying that if you don't humble yourself and don't be like a child, you'll not be able to go into the, the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus talks about caring for one another there in chapter 18. Loving one another and caring for your brothers and sisters. And then he says, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels, he says, their angels always see the face of my father. And so uh, the Bible is indicating that God has assigned a, an angel for each one of us that has direct contact with him. And that receives duties and tasks direct from the Lord, from the Father, and come to help us then. There is more in the Bible, like in Daniel chapter 6, verse 22. Daniel had been thrown into the lion's den, and uh, King Darius, who he, he really liked Daniel, you know, he was a, a good friend of his. But he couldn't go against his own law, and he had to throw Daniel into the lion's den. And so he spent all night worried about Daniel. And in the morning, he comes to the, to the edge of the pit, and he says, Daniel, Daniel, uh, the God whom you serve has him, you know, by chance been able to save you. And what did, did Daniel say? Daniel 6.22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So the Lord sent his angel to protect Daniel. And there is more in Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 16. Let's read this together. This is an, uh, a description of uh, the, more, uh, the, the very night when Peter had been arrested, Peter was preaching. Those who are coming to our Bible study on the book of Acts every Wednesday uh, are having the chance to study this. We covered this not too many weeks ago. Peter was preaching. James was preaching. James was killed by Herod. And Peter was still alive, but he was in prison. And very surely he was going to be executed the next day. That was Herod's plan. But that very night, there was a miraculous event. Peter was rescued, was rescued from prison. Let's read that together. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were got in the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell, he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and along one street, and immediately the angel left him. So if we stopped here, this is verse 10, even if we stopped here, we see the clear indication that God sent one angel to take care of Peter and to deliver him. Well, let's continue reading. There is something very interesting at the end of the account here. Verse 11. When Peter came to himself, he said, 
Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's, Peter's voice in her joy, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. So you picture this. This young lady sees, recognizes Peter's voice, and she's so excited about it. She doesn't even open the door. She goes back in and tells, Peter is here. Peter is here. Verse 15. But they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, what? It is his angel. So I, I, I know that the Bible is not teaching here that there is a guardian angel necessarily. But this shows that God's people believed that God had assigned an angel to take care of Peter specifically. And then verse 16 says, But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. So verse 16 doesn't say anything about the angels, but we didn't want to leave Peter outside there, right? So we wanted to finish the story. They went there and opened up the door, and he came in. And so God has assigned an angel to look after you. Have you thought about this? That, how beautiful it is? That God is so caring that he would assign an angel to be your guardian angel. Think about blind people. I, I, when I was at university studying music at the time there in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, uh, just across the street we had a school for the blind. And, uh, and they walked down the street and they would cross the road and people would be careful driving there because they knew there was a school there. But you never heard of any accidents with those blind people there. And God protects them. And we imagine how they can make it from place to place safely. It's not just by chance or by luck. It's not just because people are nice. It's because God commissions an angel to look and protect them. Think about the children. Think about children playing. And sometimes they, they dare do some things that we might not. But God protects them. When you are driving. When you are going from place to place. When you are sleeping. When you are uh, when you're traveling. Rather. When you are driving, when you are sailing, when you are walking in the street, the angel of the Lord is right next to you, protecting you from perils, from, from danger. Think of what you are sleeping, right? And usually, I, when I go to bed, before I go to bed, I go to the front door to make sure it's locked. Maybe other people do that as well. I'm not the only one paranoid here. Other people do that. So we do that, even though we're living in Canada. But you want to be sure that, you know, your house is locked, your door is locked, your house is safe. But then I fall asleep, and so what? What can I do while I'm sleeping? If someone were to knock my door down, they would do that. Because I can't do anything, I'm sleeping. But the Lord is looking after us. The angel of the Lord is protecting us. The angel of the Lord is, is putting a hedge of protection around us. And they prevent Satan from doing any harm to you, from any harm to your property. Your angel, under God's direction, he works to protect you from being deceived. Do you know that? 
the angels give us not only physical protection, but also spiritual protection. And so they protect us from being deceived. There are people who are more gullible than others, aren't there? God protects them all. Their angel has a special work with that. They help us do right. We are not left alone in this spiritual battle. Our angels is always there to preserve us, even against ourselves. Even when human beings put themselves in situations where they might be tempted. And human beings do that. Even when human beings, uh, you know, go ahead and play with fire. Even when they open the door to temptation. Even then, the angel will do as much as he can. To, they will intervene, will do as much as he can to prevent you from committing sin, from falling into temptation. Remember Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12? We, we read this uh, the other time. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And so I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's not only in the physical aspect of it that the angels protect us. They give us the help, help God in the, in the task of giving us spiritual protection. And so he, they will take care of you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. They will do as much as they can, everything they can, to prevent us from stumbling and falling. They have charge over us. Your guardian angel will be working all the time to keep you from stumbling spiritually. And if necessary, your angel will ask God. And God will dispatch as many angels as necessary, as many angels as needed to protect you from spiritual fall. Think about that. And so you really must be willing to fall. You really must be uh, uh, careless in the way you live. Because your angel will be doing all they can under God's command to protect you and to preserve you. Now that's not to say that now we can go ahead and irrationally, boldly play with fire. Because our angels will be there for us. I'm not saying that. The Bible will never encourage that. Remember that the devil used this text. Right? And I'm, being, uh, I'm staying there in that text. Because when God says, when the Bible says that he will send his angels to protect us. And to prevent us from stumbling on, on, on a rock, on a stone. That doesn't give us a permission to go ahead and play with fire like I said. The devil came up to Jesus there in the desert and said, You know what? You can, you can jump from the pinnacle of the temple right here. You can jump off because the Bible says that God will send his angels to protect you. So you, have, you don't have to fear anything. Just go ahead and do it. Now, Jesus used the same text. And Jesus responded, uh, yes, the Bible said that. Jesus used the same biblical text, I mean, the same scripture. And he used Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, where the Bible says, You shall not tempt the Lord your, your God. And so none of us has the right to tempt the Lord. And to say, yes, I can go a little forward, a little further forward, because... The Lord will protect me. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. There's something else. 
Not only the angels are commissioned, the guardian angel is commissioned to look over you and be in charge of your protection, both physically and spiritually. There's something that the angels do as well. The Bible indicates that the angels make, mark notes of your prayers. As you're praying to the Lord, the angels cannot read your thoughts, right? They're not God. They're creatures. But they can listen to your prayers when you play audibly. When you, play, when, when you pray audibly, when you speak out, the angels can hear that. And they take notes. And they go before God and plead for you and say, Lord, this is what they are asking. Why am I saying that? How can I be sure of that? Well, the Bible indicates that. They mark your words. And then they will be by your side, prompting you to a better course. And choosing even words for you and helping you and influencing your, your actions. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 to 23. And this is in the context of Daniel had had a vision. And he, he hadn't quite understood the vision. And he was trying to, to make sense of the things he had seen in the vision. And he prayed. Now, in, in chapter 9, if you read it, you see that nowhere in chapter 9, Daniel is praying for uh, an angel. Or Daniel is praying to his angel. Or that Daniel is praying for uh, anything other than repentance. He's repenting from his sins. He's offering, he's asking the Lord forgiveness for his people. And in the course of his prayer, as he's praying, the angel is sent. And the angel comes to talk to Daniel. And here's what the Bible says, Daniel 9, 20 to 23. Follow me closely with this. Now, while I was speaking... Praying, this is Daniel speaking, right? And confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. And presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. So he's, he's mentioning Gabriel, who had taken a form of man, human form. And Gabriel comes to him to talk to him. Verse 22, And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. And so this angel was commissioned based on what Daniel had said. While this text may not say clearly that the words were marked, but look at this in Daniel chapter 10 now. Daniel was still struggling to understand certain things. Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. Then he said to me, this is the angel talking to Daniel. Then he said to me, do not fear Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. So when you pray, your guardian angel is attentive. He's listening to your words, unless you don't say them out loud, unless you only play, pray in your mind. But they will hear your words. They will mark your words. They will be careful to help you. According to the requests that you make being empowered by God. In verse 11. Verse 11 in chapter 10 of Daniel gives us the reason why this heavenly being came to Daniel. Verse 11 says. 
O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. So the angel came as a response to his prayers and according to the words he had said. Friends, the angels also help us when we decide to reach out to people in the name of Jesus. You know, there is a great controversy going on, isn't there? There is a great controversy going on. And we can't just assume that people will, out of their own volition, all the time be willing to learn about God's word. And that everything will be right from that moment on. The moment someone shows interest in knowing more about the gospel. The moment someone shows interest in knowing more about God. The enemy will set will set out to, to prevent that person from coming to full knowledge of the truth. He'll do everything he can. But the Lord will send his angels to enable you, to empower you to reach out to people. Do you remember the experience of the uh, eunuch and Philip? So the eunuch was on his chariot, riding down the road. And Philip received the message from this angel. The Lord spoke to him through the angel and said, You go to a certain road and you go, will see a man on a chariot and uh, you go, just go there because there's something for you to do. And so Philip goes there. He obeys. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And that's found in, in Acts chapter 8, by the way, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. And so Philip goes there. And in the process of going there, the Lord enables him, empowers him, so that he knows what the need of that man was. And he explains the Bible to the man. And then he is encouraged and strengthened by the angel. And he is able to, at the end of the Bible study, the eunuch turns to him and says, Well, there is water here. What prevents me from being baptized then? And he, he was bapti being baptized then. And he was baptized at that point. By their ministry and by their actions, our angels work to strengthen our faith. And maybe it's just a little faith builder here and there. But you know that strengthens your faith. That helps you see that God is at work. God has not forsaken you and He will never. And so that builds up your faith. Now one thing I said two weeks ago, and I will finish today with that thought again. Is that the angels... On top of all that they do for us, and I've just said this, that enable us, they help us in our outreach efforts. They're right there to encourage us. The Bible depicts three angels who had a special outreach message. That's found in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. Those three angels... Each one had a message, and we, we normally call that, we typically call the three angels' messages, which we believe is the last message that has to go out, and that we as Seventh-day Adventists have been entrusted with, that we are to go out and preach the, the messages of the three angels. So I'd like to invite you to join me in reading this. I, I don't have the text there on the screen. So open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12. And let's all read out loud together. 
the message of these three angels, which is the message we are to carry out to the word, world as we await the second coming of Jesus. So Revelation 14, beginning in verse 6. Join me as I read. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is falling, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of the torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's something here in the message of the first angel. That has to do with judgment. Remember this? Writing verse 7. The first angel says. Fear God and give him glory. For the hour of his judgment has come. Now as far as I know. Uh, many Christians. Or most Christians if not all Christians. Believe that there, is some, there will be some sort of judgment. They believe in the judgment. That at some point there will be a final judgment. Most Christians, if not all Christians, believe that. But as far as I know, it's only the Seventh-day Adventists that believe that there is a judgment going on right now. And so because this is a topic of so much importance, next year we are going to have seven sermons. Seven sermons, that's a round perfect number, right? Seven. Seven sermons on seven different phases of God's judgment. And I want to not to miss that. Because we are going to cover every phase of God's judgment. Including the pre-advent judgment. Which is taking place right now. And what is this judgment all about? What does it mean that there is a judgment taking place right now? And looking forward into the future. In regard to the, follow, to the next phases of God's judgment. So I, I don't want you to miss that. This is going to be next year. But this is a topic of very much importance. Because I say this. Uh, why am I a Seventh-day Adventist? Right? Uh, why am I not a Baptist Christian? And uh, are only Seventh-day Adventists going to be saved, by the way? When Jesus comes, there will be Catholics, there will be Muslims, there will be Hindus, there will be Baptists, there will be Seventh-day Adventists in both groups, in the group of the saved and in the group of the lost. But, but, uh, 
I am a Seventh-day Adventist because I think it makes sense what I read in the Bible to what I believe. And the sanctuary message and the judgment message, the pre-advent message is a, is a fundamental belief that we have as Seventh-day Adventists that we all need to know. Because it makes a, a whole difference why I decided to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And so I hope that we all will learn from that and we'll get a, a more solid foundation even for our faith. But in all of that, remember that the Lord has set aside, has commissioned an angel to look after you. And he's willing to do God's will all the time. I don't know his name and I don't care about it because he doesn't care about it either. He's just glad to be, to, to be doing God's will and to execute God's commands for my protection and for my salvation. And may God bless us all as we continue to work and support one another. Looking forward to the day when Jesus will come. God bless you all.